0: You are listening to an Irreverent podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.
1: Activist theology is built on the power of story, and we believe story can change the world.
0: We also know that being in community with one another on this journey Will help to build a movement committed to collective liberation and a more loving world.
1: We have a commitment to the ethics and politics of Encojunto or Togetherness. And we are together in this work with you. Hi, folks. This is Dr. Robin.
0: And this is Reverend Anna Galladay, and we are your hosts for the Activist Theology Podcast. It's time for all of us to get our hands dirty. Pastor. Dr. Robin. How are you? I am okay.
1: We've not I, done this it, in a it, bit.
0: This uh, We have not done this in a bit, and I, I do want to just take a few moments. We've had a few of you reach out to us and ask us where we've been and if everything is all right. And the answer to that is, yes, everything is all right. We are just, um, we are much busier than we have been. Um, You know, we realized that we started this podcast um, two months before the pandemic hit. um, And therefore, really the first two full seasons of our work on this podcast were done while we were Largely at home and quarantine, in quarantine. Not able to go anywhere. Not able to go anywhere. And the demands on our time have changed radically over the last several months. And we are trying to figure this out. We're trying to figure out how we um, maintain our recording schedule and continue to kind of put content into the world for you all, our listeners, and also. Um, Respond to the physical demands that folks have for us to be in person in places. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, um, we love you, our listeners, but um, this podcast is not um, uh, making it so we can pay our rent and our our, um, mortgage. And so yeah. we are, we are, um, having to balance our have to do other things, the, the things that are, um, requested of us in addition to this. And so we're figuring it out. We appreciate your patience. We, it has been a little while since we've done
1: this, but we're back. You know, though I had a meeting today and one of the ideas that I was given is, you know, like, this podcast is conversation. Mm-hmm. The folks that I was meeting with seemed to think that we could find other people to host us in person and then just record the podcast in different places.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of possibilities of how we yeah. can kind of put put our voices and our content into the world it's yeah but logistically speaking i think i know neither you yeah. or i were prepared for what um our schedules would look like over the last few months and yeah. uh, we've been <laughs> we're trying to figure it out <laughs> and so yeah. um you know all that to say that you know We appreciate everyone's patience, and we are here this week, and we have lots to talk about, because not only is the world on fire, but um, there is some scorched earth that we really have to, you know, have some conversations about. But first, but first, friends. First, first. Dr. Robin and I got to be IRL yesterday. Yep. we spent the day and the evening and I mean till way late way late Dr. Robin put their yeah doc- I was very impressed like Dr. Robin hung with me for like five and a half hours, which is
1: I went to bed at 1144 last night.
0: I know like I'm I am both thrilled and shocked.
1: That's I was like very three hours happy. past my
0: bedtime. We had so much fun. We celebrated. We did. And we had a two person party. We had a two person party and we were unashamed about it and we lived it up. And we went to one of our favorite cocktail bars in Nashville. And then we went and had some amazing Middle Eastern food for dinner.
1: I was thinking about that cauliflower this morning. Yeah, I know. That cauliflower is
0: so good. So good. Uh, But yeah, we, we had a great night and we had so much fun being together. It's it's. It's hard. Like it's hard to um it's hard to think about not um being together as much as we want to be and then we make up for it when we are. <laughs>
1: <We're> yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about um just how nice it was to just be in conversation and talk about a wide variety of things and I mean, there's a lot happening in the world, um, and yet we were able to find joy last night in the midst of the lament. Yeah, and we I laughed. I mean, like we laughed a doubled lot, over, yeah.
0: Over, like, like our sides hurting, we laughed so hard. Yeah. So,
1: and yeah. I still, I mean, in the midst of everything, we do need to hang on to joy, and we do need to hang on to a kind of hope that is beyond the here and now if that's possible
0: yeah i mean i i there there are times and spaces where lament and action and you know uh, us moving against the grain and and being very diligent about that are necessary but Truly, unless we find times to counterbalance that with both rest and play, our labor will fizzle out too fast. Because yeah. um, we just, you know, you you cannot, like, you can't be on all the time. Yeah. You know, we can't. We can't be, um, you know, in in pursuit of. We we can be in pursuit of liberation at all times, but we don't necessarily have to be active in that pursuit in, in ways that don't allow us to also experience the other things that life brings us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but we had a lot of fun. It was good to be together.
1: Do we, we want to say st- what the party was or do we I, I not mean, say that? I mean, I don't mind saying what my part of the party was. Because I will say that after the picture that you posted mm-hmm. last night on the mm-hmm. social medias, Mm-hmm there were people curious mm-hmm. about some of the language that was used.
0: I mean, I asked for permission. I, I no, I, yeah, yeah. I, like, I mean, I'm I was celebrating the fact that my birthday is this week. I'm a cancer. Right. We are in cancer season. And I was celebrating you too. Uh, you were celebrating the fact that my birthday is this week. Um, yeah. I am not as good at celebrating my birthday as you are at celebrating my birthday. So, I was trying to lean into that and allow you to celebrate me. And we had such a good time. Um, But we were also celebrating something else. Yeah. Um, You want to tell him? You want me to tell him? Well, what should we tell him? I mean, we could just state the obvious that you're getting
1: married. Yeah. Yeah. So we were having a one-person bachelor party in like a week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we had a two-person bachelor party and a two-person birthday party and,
1: um, you know, what happened on Friday.
0: Exactly. Like, I mean, we, you know, many, many of our followers follow you on, on, or many of our listeners follow you on social media and know that, you know, you and, and your partner, Aaron became engaged several months ago and, um, it was a really beautiful celebratory weekend that, you know, I was thrilled to be a part of. Yeah. Um, and that wedding planning has been taking place, but after what happened with the Supreme Court decision around Roe v. Wade and specifically the language that was um, included by Clarence Thomas around other cases that need to be looked into um, there's more urgency yeah. around um, at least the you know legal side of your you know your 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 marriage and yeah you all are being proactive in in kind of pursuing getting that done quick, sooner than you had planned for those very specific reasons
1: yeah so we're having so a we had a
0: bachelor already. party. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Had a bachelor party and a birthday party all in one, and it was so much fun. All in one with just two people. With just two people, <laughs> which is like totally my kind of party, right?
0: I know. It's totally-
1: so. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like it's an introvert party. It is. It is. It and is. Then, because and then I, I can I be a lot, say, but you yeah. can manage me being a lot. Yes. And and we did have an interesting experience when we were having cocktails, and that person might come on the show because they seemed interested. We did. We had a a
0: really beautiful um, conversation um, with uh, an acquaintance last night while we were having cocktails, and um, out of that also came, you know, some curiosity around our, you know, future conversations that we might have with them and, um, me telling you about why I really want to live tweet your life. And, and do you want to say what you're going to make me? you? <laughs> so friends, um, we joke about this all the time and in a, in a really weird stroke of, um, of experience, Dr. Robin, Dr. Robin is, is, is a magnet, a magnet for cis white men. Um, There's something about Dr. Robin's intellect and their the the space they occupy in the world that really attracts other kind of intellectual, academic, and in many cases, kind of progressive Christian bro dudes to Dr. Robin's work, and we joke about that all the time. That. Dr. Robin just collects white guys like that's that's what they do. And so I have decided that I am going to create a a a, a system by which we can acknowledge a monument, the white men a monument. that are a part of Dr. Robin's world and um you know let have that be on display in in yeah. their home I, I i said my biggest problem is that i just don't know where dr robin would put such a display because it's going to be really fucking big because of all of the yeah. work
1: that yeah. we will have to yeah.
0: that we will yeah. have to identify in in such yeah, a, like in such a display I know, I know, and I said like I envision it like, um, you know, my grandma like collected spoons or thimbles or like some people collect shot glasses or mugs and display them like in, you know, like in ways in their home. Um, and so yeah. I envision you know this um display case being similar to like my grandma's spoon collection or thimble collection right. where I identify right. all of the white men, but even, even then it might be the size of a door. It, if it right. was thimbles, like it would still be the right. size of, of a door. And, and where are you going to put that?
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe we could get like one of those tough sheds and. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe make it could be a destination. Shed. Yeah. Do you, do you want to know what, um, some people think about my conversations with Trip, who we've had on the podcast before. Always. So, someone reached out to Trip and said, I love it when you and Robin talk. It's almost like foreplay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> like yeah. What
0: is, I mean, obviously, I, I was going to say, what does that even mean? Like, I know what that
1: means. But foreplay to what? I mean... Listen, apparently this guy sometimes listens to us before he engages in sexual activity.
0: I I mean, I'm... I'm here for that?
1: I guess? (laughs) Apparently, apparently we, um... I don't know. Help turn. I mean folks it's gotta on. be it's gotta be your
0: silky, smooth, testosterone infused voice. I mean something you know, the lower your voice gets, maybe the sexier your conversations become. Something.
1: Something. So th- so that was <laughs> that was that like totally freaked me out and I was like, Yes, that is I know, is what right? I'm here on for. one side you're like, Okay, that's weird and in another yep. way you're like, Mm-hmm. Come on, let's get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so we, t- we had a great time last night. The food was delicious. They brought you a birthday cake. They and did. we each blew it out. We did. We each blew it out. Um, and then I woke up to messages asking why I was having a bachelor party. So I sent them the graphic of the pop-up wedding. And they were like, oh, now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. Yeah.
0: When so you'll be back, married. I will you'll be, be back for the
1: wedding. Yeah. I'm yeah. so excited. Super excited. I gotta figure out what. to so, wear. Well, I had to figure out what I was gonna wear too. And I, know, I, hope, I know you did. I hope my clothes arrive in time. Yes. Which I did figure out the 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 mail issue. Right. You have you've had some postal
0: situation, post office situations.
1: We were not checking our mail regularly.
0: I see. Okay. So you just need to go check it more often so that they yep. don't think that
1: no one lives there. Right. Okay. Right. But so I I know that we've not been on in a while to record, and there's actually been a lot that's been happening since we've been away, and I wonder if we could just use this time not only to talk about Roe v. Wade, but kind of, you know, like, we're in summer, it's been a lot hotter this summer than in previous years, so we could certainly talk about the impact that climate change is having on a lot of places. I just was in San Francisco and when I arrived it was 103 degrees and there is no air conditioning in the bay area. So like we could talk about a wide variety of things, you know, like the heat waves that has been happening We could talk about how white people now have off on Juneteenth and should that be a thing that white people have off on Juneteenth, Um, because that doesn't feel like reparations. Um, We could talk about the Roe v. Wade. We could talk about how you graduated with your master's in theology, and you're now like a master of theology. And um, (laughs) I'm just collecting master's degrees. Yep. Yeah, so we could talk about a wide variety of things, There's and I'm a wondering. Lot that has happened. Yeah, I'm wondering what feels resonant as we get back into the saddle, um, hoping that next week we'll have a chance to record so that we can fill the fill the gaps. But yeah, what what feels, what feels what uh, feels what feels like the place that you want to start today?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I am. Um, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed by a lot of what's, what's going on in the world. And I'm, you know, we have navigated our way through another pride month, um, which, you know, for many looked, you know, as much like rainbow capitalism as it did like the resistance. Um, you know, I I, I become very um, kind of introspective during Pride because I recognize that, you know, in, in ways I am contributing to that piece of rainbow capitalism because my small business, my t-shirt shop, um, you know, has a lot of, you know, kind of queer, affirming wear in it. And as such, I you know, pop up at Pride Festivals and yep. you know, sell things and um and, you know, it's it's uh it's a challenge for me because I am a talented designer and I work really hard in my small business to make sure that the lights and the air conditioning stay on in my home. Right. And my creativity is what allows me to have the capacity to be a small business owner and an entrepreneur. Um, and yet I'm, you know, I am engaged in the profit sector that mm-hmm. is in many ways, the antithesis to what pride and our resistance around, um, you know, kind of using queerness as, tokenism kind of presents to the world. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm, I I sit in that space of uncertainties a lot of times, especially during June. Um, And so, you know, in the midst of that where, you know, I've been, you know, watching all of the hearings, the, the, the hearings that have been taking place around January 6th, Um, the revelations that are coming out of those hearings are, uh, not surprising, but I'm, I I think I'm, I'm shocked that, that there, there is the, that the exposure of these things is, is coming to light and that, you know, we are seeing in real time what kind of diligent research and, and interview, and, and hearings can do to expose the truth that others want, to, you know, want to keep hidden. Um, and yeah, like I graduated. I, I've been done for a while. So like it was a little bit of a like, oh, like finally they said yep. my name, even though I've, I've been done for a little bit. But yep. um, there's joy in that. And there's also all of this radical sadness and so much else. Um, I don't. I I am feeling the effects of the fire hose worth of information and and um, minimization of humans that that is coming at me. Yep. In in all ways. And I think I mean that's the thing that's most resonant for me. And the the challenge with that, as you know, is that it's a result of five or six or seven or eight different things that are happening in the world all at the same time.
1: Yeah. I I was in Chicago when the first hearing, January sixth hearing, was televised. And I was texting you. I was working on a talk that I was giving for the YWCA. And, I, you know, I just was really – like, this is beyond whether or not we agree with Republicans or Democrats. And I'm just going to put this out there because I think that the Activist Theology Project could hold this kind of conversation. But I, I really want to be in conversation with folks who are concerned for our democracy – And concerned for the governing of our democracy and not tied up in ideology wars or culture wars. I think we need to be having a different kind of conversation because this isn't just about policies and procedures. This is really about how do we govern in a post-genocide world with imperial power? How do we do that? And how do we how do we build ethical futures? So I just want to put that out there. Maybe someone will hear it and maybe someone will reach out to us and say, I have an idea or I know this person, or maybe it's them themselves who want to be in conversation. But I really do think that we need to start having some conversations about how do we govern the country? Because... And this may be controversial, but we may have seditionists sitting on the Supreme Court. Yeah, I don't
0: I don't think it's it's not beyond the possibility that 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 there are. Um, I mean, we have already seen just based on how Roe was decided. I mean, we watched in real time three nominees lie. Right. To the faces of lawmakers when questioned about whether Roe was, um, you know, a a precedent that um, was, you know, something that, that, you know, did not need to be challenged, nor would they ever kind of imagine a world where they could, you know, deny uh, kind of set 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 those rights back fifty right. years. Um, it, it's interesting, you know. We we are you and I do a lot of conversation around the fact that you know politics is not politics is not going to save us. Politics mm-hmm. is you know part of the the problem, a large part of the problem. And yet it is a system, it is the system we are stuck with. It is the system mm-hmm. that we have to navigate in order to, uh, you know, be able to to live life in ways that feel, you know, that, that, that feels um, or, or, or kind of settles us into some kind of normalcy. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: The problem we have, which and, and, and this is a you know very simple statement, is that you know this this governing body was was built on the the backs of others. It was mm-hmm. you know built on the minimization and the silencing and the hiding of um, women and bodies of color and you know anyone that wasn't a, a white land owning man right and and we are trying to we are trying to ask that system to be moral enough to govern us into the future right <laughs> when it wasn't and never has been moral enough to govern us to this point. right. Um, and you know we know that 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 politics is not going to be the answer. It also is. It has to be a tactic, yeah, because it is one of the tactics that we have at our disposal. I mean, we right. are never going to rid our in 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 our lifetime, your and I's lifetime, we are never going to rid ourselves from that system, right? So it's a tactic that we have to use. Um, and I, yeah, I'm curious how we find a way to do that in in the midst of all of this, especially as we are watching the Supreme court during this session dismantle decisions um, that have long been a part of our, uh, of the fabric of, of this, of, of our, of our morality and our, our our ethical um, guide points. Yeah. You know, we are, they have decided that, you know, prayer in schools, regardless of whether it's inside the school or whether it's on the football field is, Christian prayer is, is fine. Right. Um, Christian prayer. Christian, Christian prayer, prayer so. exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I want to see what happens when, you know, a Muslim football coach decides right. that he wants to pray after the football game at the 50-yard right. line. You know, what will happen then? Um, you know, they they have decided that, um, you know, Roe is no longer a, a, a precedent that that can guide the autonomy of of bodies in in the country and there are many more decisions that are going to be coming out of this session of the court that are going to continue to to whittle away at Mm -hmm. at what we have known to be our guardrails for many many years um what do we what do we do with that? What do we yeah. how do we govern? How do we navigate that when we know that the system is is and always has been rigged? And now also our the highest court in the land is proving itself to also be rigged. Mm-hmm. It is no mm-hmm. longer a judicial body. it is a political body, which was never the intent.
1: Of the an unelected political body. Correct. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. And, you know, I'm thinking about uh, – so my partner just had surgery in April for a condition that was causing them a lot of pain, and they had an elective hysterectomy. And soon that will be unavailable to people. And – a couple years ago, I was being treated for chronic pain, and they finally found a medicine that I could take that stops the pain. But you could only be on the medicine for like eighteen months, and uh, if if I if I am if I am unable to continue the medicine and the pain comes back, my only option may be to be in chronic pain rather than have an elective hysterectomy.
0: Right. Because that, that procedure will likely no longer be available as something that you can do that will be covered by your insurance.
1: Right. Um, Or even not covered by your insurance that you could, what may have to pay out of pocket for. Right. Which means that working class people, poor people, people of color, are not going to be able to access these services. And it just, again, reifies what you're saying that if you're not white landowning with a bank account, you, you might be impacted by decisions that are coming down. So I'm, I'm thinking a lot about how things will change. Certainly the, the Roe v. Wade has um, enacted the trigger bills, or it's triggered right, trigger these laws. bills,
0: mm-hmm. trigger laws, Tennessee being one Which of I them. I just hate that word. I, I like, I, yep. like
1: there needs to be another word, but yes, trigger yep. laws is what they're called. <laughs> um, and it's, and it's happening in 19 states. And, you know, we are, I, I went to a pride celebration on this weekend. I did not go to the festival because of some social media posts that I saw that were calling for violence. And I just decided to play it safe, but I was at, a, at an event and my friend said um, invited me uh, last night when we had our two-person party invited me last night to a workshop on caring for people who are doing self-managed abortions. We, we are at that point now. And, you know, I really, I mean, a question that I have is how do we build an ethical future or how do we build ethical futures? Plural. Um, Returning everything to the states has not worked in the past, which is why which is why things are done on a federal level, because returning things to the states creates a segregated future. And so I feel really curious, how do we build ethical futures at the end of empire? And what does that look like? What kind of work do we need to be doing? How do we need to be using the master's tools to transform them into plowshares? Um, Because the master's tools are handy when used in transformative ways. Um, We can't use the same logic as the master's tools have been used, but we can flip the script and we can be wise as serpents, and we can make little moves against destructiveness. But how do we do that at the end of Empire when not only the house is on fire, but our bedroom, our the place where we feel safest, is ablaze?
0: Yeah, I, 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 I like that. Uh, the the trajectory of that thought, the question that's coming into my head is, are we also rightfully imagining what that future should look like? Right. Um, because I think that it's it is both and the planning for and you know being conscientious of the tactics that it will take to get us there but it's also knowing very clearly in our imagination what that future looks like and yeah. what it is that we are striving toward right um and so what what is what does that look like for you when when you when you dip into your imagination and you think about um you know where what what that what that is what what does it look like
1: I mean, I I feel really basic when I say this, but I think these basic things, they have to be included in the imagination. Uh, And and so for me, it is affordable housing. I mean, it's becoming impossible to live anywhere. And I think... uh, a city in Kansas or Nebraska just passed a law that prevents people from co-housing unless you're blood related or married. So, house sharing, living in community is is becoming outlawed, right? I mean, and this is a very particular and pernicious kind of logic that is Trying to reinforce cis heteropatriarchy in the nuclear family, which is a construct of white supremacy. So, I mean, I am really thinking very pragmatic. Like, we need affordable housing for everyone. There is enough. There is enough social capital to go around. It's been really interesting lately when I when people ask me to speak, and they say we can pay you two hundred dollars. And then I say, well, I, I actually have to be able to pay my rent, and I, I so I can't afford $200. And then when they say, how much is your rent? And I tell them, they say, oh, yeah, we could do that. So I know there's enough to go around, right? So I want to be able to know that I can pay my rent, that I can buy my groceries, and that I can have an affordable and somewhat safe place to be. I I want there to be um, community police and mental health awareness from a community place. Um, I I don't I don't want to relegate folks having mental health experiences to ERs or to to institutions that don't come from a community care place so i I just feel really basic in my imagination uh i mean would i love to have a tesla so i'm not contributing to climate change sure but you know for the time now my hybrid car is fine but i'm but i'm like i i think we i feel like a lot of us need to build these like do these building blocks and like Invest in an imagination of affordable housing, invest in an imagination of abundance in terms of Uh economics, um, which I think is all wrapped up in abolitionist politics, right? Uh Creating life affirming systems. Right. And divesting from the carceral state and carceral logic and carceral religion. Right. What are yours? What's on your list?
0: I mean I think I I I I am tracking with you very much on the affordable housing and the um and the and the healthcare equity piece um beyond mental health care I, I really do believe that a that a healthcare system that allows for all of us to have every medical need that we have provided for in a safe and holistic way is yep. necessary um, yep. in whatever this future is that that we imagine but, but i also really believe that we are not looking down at at, at the ground at, at the at the gift of, of the, of the land that our ancestors have, have, you know, toiled over for us. Um, We are with, you know, we have plenty of places to provide affordable housing. And yet our imagination instantly, assumes that we need to create additional buildings mm-hmm. in order for there to be places for people to be versus retrofitting buildings that already exist and kind yeah. of a, a, a reallocation of resource. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, I mean, if I were to, I mean, I'm, I'm looking out my window right now on the South side of, of Chattanooga. And if I were to walk in about a five block city block radius, and I, I live in the city, so, you know, the blocks are, are city blocks where I am, um, I, I could probably, if I were to divide up or kind of create a percentage of occupied space and unoccupied space, it would be about there would be it, it would be in thirds a, a third of the space in this five block radius is unoccupied boarded up um vacant in some ways industrial but still like buildings exist and being used for nothing
1: mm-hmm.
0: has has not had anything in it for for years another third is a historic housing that is primarily housing black and brown community members. And, you know, that housing was built anywhere between probably the 1940s and the 1970s and is starting to become more in disrepair than it isn't. Mm -hmm. And the other third is brand new construction, that has eliminated one of those other two things, either mm-hmm. the older housing that has fallen into disrepair or vacant spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, these brand new houses, I mean, yes, I live in one, but they are largely unnecessary mm-hmm. based on the ways that we could reallocate space that already exists in these communities mm-hmm. and and retrofit things that already exist for Maybe similar money to new construction, maybe more money to new construction, but still acknowledging waste and what we are doing to the land by churning buildings on and off of it over mm-hmm. and over and over again, simply from an aesthetic or a, a profit standpoint. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, you, you many of our listeners know, you know, my one of my my biggest passions is regarding you know economic equity within neighborhoods. But I think that 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 equity is directly tied also to our ability to recognize that, as you say, like what we have, we are what we need, we already have. There's plenty of what we need to go around. And I would love for us to imagine affordable housing without. Imagining the building of it, <laughs> but to imagine right. affordable housing in ways that retrofit or reallocate existing structures into housing that works for mm-hmm. neighborhoods and works for communities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we're continuing to destroy the environment every time we try to reimagine something that asks for us to destroy this land a little more and a little
1: further. When did you see that emissions tests are no no longer required for Tennessee?
0: Yes. Yeah. No more emissions tests. Um, Yeah. I mean, healthcare. I mean, I, I am with you. Like it's, it's a, it's that, it's that basic line that line of like living necessity. I, I want us all to have the capacity to have the healthy nourishing food that is needed to sustain our bodies. Mm -hmm. I want us to all have, you know, housing that is comfortable and that provides the kind of shelter that is required based on the geographic area in which we live. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I want us to all have healthcare in a manner that is equitable and also um, free of politic, you know, Mm -hmm. identity politic, gender politic, race politic, any politic that, that comes into our healthcare system as it currently looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, my, my imagination for the future then also extends into, you know, where we started this podcast, which was what does joy look like? What does play mm-hmm. look like? What does it look like for us to live in communities and be alongside other people in this non-negotiable realm of equity for one another and also really be joyful in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, have spaces to play, have outdoor areas where we can congregate, have um, capacity for community gatherings that are you know that that facilitate the kind of pos- you know of future that we that we envision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so often we we look at these, this, you know, baseline of living expectation and like, what do we need to survive? And we forget the happiness factor and the joy Mm -hmm. factor and the play factor that are involved in that. Um, You know, and a lot of that is the seven in me, the Enneagram seven in me coming out because play is so important for me. Yeah. And, you know, new experiences are so crucial to my um, you know, t- to me feeling like the best version of myself. Yeah. But it's I mean, it's important for all of us, no matter where we find ourselves on the the spectrum of introvert versus extrovert or mm-hmm. one through nine of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. We we all need that kind of
1: playful and joyful stimulation to Yeah. I mean make I listened to seven mm-hmm. last night and and like sevening this whole week getting everything done to uh, that is like spontaneous and I'm not yeah. a spontaneous person you know I know I know but um like last night was a big reminder of how much play mm-hmm. we do need to feel okay yeah and so many of us are working from sun up to sun down yeah and and there in between mm-hmm. and and we don't have the flexibility or the time to to play. I just was talking with a friend, uh, Kim Baldwin, who who's one of one of her friends works retail and decided to take a week off to finish some writing, but you know, wasn't gonna get paid. Um and I can imagine, like, retail right now is just brutal for everyone. And so Kim sent Kim her $10 a day for a cup of coffee. And that kind of commitment to community, the kind of role that mutual aid could play in creating sustainable ethical futures... I'm here for it, and I think that we have got to figure out how do we buoy each other through play and joy, and how do we create networks of mutual aid. And I would point back to the episode that we had with Dean Spade on the importance of mutual aid and how we have benefited from mutual aid for a long time. And now it's being politicized as something that shouldn't be happening, but it's been happening for a long time, and should continue. It, it
0: should, and and this this concept of mutual aid then also can become the kind of fertilizer that these imagined worlds that you and I have are right, right. Uh, you know, grow amidst. Um, I mean, that kind of mutual aid and that kind of community assisted living is you know will allow us to have um, imagination around housing that doesn't exclude anyone um, it puts us in it, it forces us into a posture of recognizes that recognizing mm-hmm. that every single one of us is is our value demands. That we right. that we care for one another into that expectation, um, right? I mean, even kind of you know going back to this conversation around Roe. I mean, we are you know we are looking at the need for community care and mutual aid around abortion and reproductive rights for humans that most of us in our lifetime have not had to navigate. Right, um, I mean I was born the year that Roe was was came came into law in 1973. Mm-hmm. I have never once known a time when those kinds of rights were not afforded to me. I'm going to have to both imagine what it is going to take for me in my, my expenditure of empathy and action for others, as well as acknowledging how it may affect me as a human Right. And a, a person with a uterus right. in, in the world moving forward. Right. I've never had to think about either one of those things.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and so, I think like, it's not just about abortion. It's not just correct, about access correct. to abortion, I mean, right? It's, correct. It, it is about a lot of other things, including correct. abortion, that I think people are people are not connecting all the dots and seeing the web that they've just – destroyed yeah i mean this you know
0: using the phrase opening pandora's box can be i mean it is an overused phrase and it can you know set us up for you know the feeling as if it's kind of like you know the boy crying wolf and yet this decision single-handedly has opened a box that and, and that lid has been thrown away, <laughs> and right. and we are we are preparing ourselves for a shitstorm of changes coming to the rights of almost all of us. Yeah, even white cis men who you know who have not who have not had to think of their rights ever being challenged. In, in their lifetime mm-hmm. um, not nothing is safe nothing yeah. is protected and so how are we in community taking taking that mantle and carrying it and and creating spaces of uh, for one another so that we can you know bridge some of those gaps right I don't know if it's possible but I know that we all need to be in a, a mental space of acknowledging that it's going to be needed. Yeah. And we either need to be prepared or decide that we're not going to be prepared. So right. that we can stick our heads in the sand and 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 ignore that it's it's gonna it's gonna come our way.
1: Yeah. More imagination. More time together.
0: Yeah. I mean this 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 world at the end of empire it is something we may not see in our lifetime. And yet, it, if, if we are not accelerating it, accelerating towards it in our lifetime, then those that are left when we are gone um, will have that much farther to go. Mm-hmm. And so it's incumbent on us to at least begin to have those conversations and begin to or continue to have those conversations and continue to be a part of the imagination that,
1: that could create that world. Yeah. Heavy times, uh, lots of work to do. I feel like um, when people were texting me on Friday saying they have no hope, I say our work is to build ethical futures. Yeah. And I think it's, Right and good to be angry and to huff and puff and don't let it stop there. Like, yeah. let's lean in and figure out how do we do the the intersectional organizing that needs to happen right. to build ethical futures. Right. That is the work that we are about.
0: Also, don't let your privilege blind you
1: to the fact that,
0: you know, this will in one way or another affect you, even if right. you think it, it's not about you. Right. And so, like, get your shit in order. Like, mm-hmm. get yourself together. Get like, determine where the intersections are that are going that 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 are going to touch you and mm-hmm. and the life that you currently live, um, because it will happen. Yeah. And if you are not prepared, um, and and if you aren't kind of acknowledging the spaces where you are are engaged in this or, or, or intersected in this, um, you will be a speed bump. Yeah. Not, not the wind behind someone.
1: Right. Right. So, yeah.
0: Well, friends, um, we will, we are going to do our best to continue to be, um, on a regular schedule so that we can kind of share, um, continue to share thoughts with you and, and continue to have you engage in this this um, ongoing conversation with us via this podcast. Um, we do have a few guests um, that, that we're working on getting um, scheduled. So uh, we love being in conversation with other folks. We'd love to hear from you who you would like to have us be in conversation with. Um, yeah. Do feel free to tweet at us or pop into our DMs or send us emails, um, join the Activist Theology app and and send us messages there. There's a lot of ways that you can engage with us and continue to be a part of this conversation. And we hope that you'll do that. Um, We will, we want to be responsive to what you want to hear. So let us know Um, we will do our best to find those folks to extend conversations uh, in the ways that, that, feel impactful and feel important to you. And, um, we also, you know, I mean, I, I, I want to, uh, put out the fire that is ongoing in the world. Um, and I also want to continue to, um, accumulate matches to burn down the patriarchy <laughs> <So I want laughs> do
1: we want to do we want to say anything about the retreat
0: oh yeah we that's a great idea yeah we um we have a we are going to be gathering we're really excited we're going to be gathering in north carolina in um october uh for the first activist theology retreat um we're going to be gathering around uh Dr. Robbins' newest book, um, having conversations around our bodies and kind of what being politicized and active in the work really looks like when we look at um, being embodied in it. That retreat's going to take place at the William Black Lodge, which is on the grounds of Montreat, outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Um, and it's going to be October 27th through the 30th. So uh, watch for news about that details yeah. about registering for that. We would love to have you all join us. Yeah. Um, it will be a small gathering. It will be an intimate gathering. You will have lots of time with us and with those that are are a part of this this conversation. Um, How many slides are available? like not um, very many? No, like probably about 30. Yeah. It's going to be, it's yeah. going to be a pretty, pretty intimate gathering. Yeah. And so we'd love we to like have that. you. We, we like it. Yeah, all. that's the way we want yeah. it. Um, so yeah, do keep your eye out for that. We'll have some information forthcoming about how you can register, uh, and attend that with us. Uh, and in the meantime, please do keep, keep, uh, sending us messages, um, Keep encouraging us. Um, those of you that like to needle us about not being on as often as you'd like us to be, we love it. That means that you yep. miss us. We want. Yep. We, we love that you miss us. Yep. Um, and we'll uh, we'll be back again next week, and and we'll share some more thoughts about what's going on in the world. We we do need to dig in really deeply to what's going on in these these this January sixth. Um, yes debacle. So maybe at yep. some point we'll, we'll take yep. a week to just break yep. that down. Um, yep. but, uh, until then friends, you know, follow us and and tweet at us at activist theology, uh, join the app at atporch.com and, um, we'll, we'll be responsive. We'll, we'll touch base with you. If you touch base, base with us. Yeah. yeah. Until then, Dr. Robin, let's
1: build ethical features. Goodbye friends. We want to thank you for listening this week. We encourage you to share this podcast with your community. If you enjoy us and our work in the world, please give us five stars on your podcast platform. Want to help support this podcast? Go to activisttheology.com and click on podcast. We can only
0: do this work with the help of you, our listeners. You have no idea how much even a small monthly or one-time gift means to this work. The music you hear in this episode is Hands Dirty by Delta Ray. Our sound editor is Dan Medley from 10 South Sounds. I get my hands dirty, I show up so early, they show me no mercy, so I just keep working. Maybe God could save me, all my boss might pay me. You are listening to an Irreverent Podcast. Visit irreverent.fm for more content from our friends.